Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Pixelists. That's Blake. I'm Will. Tonight, or today, this afternoon, we're here to talk about Critical Role, baby. Um, episode 8, I believe. Yeah, boy. yeah. Episode 8. How you doing, man? I'm good. We're almost we're almost to our first 10 eps. So I know. I'm hanging it's, in there. That's crazy. It's uh I take one more step, I'll be the furthest I've ever been from. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that true though? How far did you uh, I think like episode like 18 or 19 okay, from so uh, we, first campaign? We still and got then, a um, This is about when I fell off on campaign 2. Okay. <laughs> so the average in there is uh you know, about 12 or 13. Yeah. So. We're approaching. We're approaching. Yeah, yeah, I got the added accountability of, um, um, yeah, the YouTube channel. I guess <laughs> that was that was really the plan all along. It was just a long con to get you to stay in it for the long haul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here, and welcome all of you who are um, checking out the podcast and. Uh, just enjoying the fun stuff that is D and D nerdage. So that's our, uh, that's our plan today. So it was to talk about episode eight and, uh, we'd like to talk about whatever game shows, movies, what have you that we really enjoy. And, uh, I think we are going to do, we're going to, so we decided we're going to do an entire season wrap up of the Witcher, which is live by the way. Have you watched any of it yet? I've watched one episode. I'm trying to pace myself so I don't just binge it all, but try yeah, to like, yeah do it like over until christmas basically oh you naive soul you <laughs> have can't you watched, resist the binge <laughs> have you watched uh, it? not yet because i haven't been able to because i haven't been able to like to sit down to binge it yeah um so we're gonna do that we're gonna i think do hawkeye which has one episode left at mm -hmm. the time of recording this and it's getting yeah. kind of good um and it's been good but um other than that and we'll have to do a spider-man one too right i mean i'm down i've seen it so i'm ready i'm ready oh, you've seen it? it yeah Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Well, let's talk about episode eight of Critical Role. And uh, by the way, if you're just now tuning in, this uh, we like to do a recap at the start and talk about all the things that happened that we noticed. And then we actually pull this out as a separate video. So if you're just watching just the recap, uh, you can definitely check the link below to see the main video where we give our reaction and discuss the whole thing. Um, so having said that are we ready to jump in yeah uh is it is that squeaking stop because i think it was my fan. yes okay it did stop. just wanted to make yeah, sure yeah. it was like squeak squeak i was like okay, it's driving me crazy <laughs> the podcast listeners are like i hate this show what is this happening <laughs> yeah, yeah okay well i'll i'll get us started um so this episode we open up uh just where the previous episode left off where the party has um, finished basically saving the dreamscape theater and they've encountered this um, small uh, character known as Chetney, this roguish character um, in the alley outside of the, or nearby the theater. And Chetney has been kind of scoping them out, seeing what's going on. And we actually do come to find out that Chetney is looking for someone. And the reason he's so curious about the uh, party in particular is because he overheard, and it's not clear if he actually overheard or if he was doing rogue-like things, because uh, he mentions like, yeah, the guy who paid you all that money, which that happened in his office, um, yeah. but basically says, uh, yeah, I mean, I know you guys were helping the Dreamscape Theater. You were looking for people, so maybe you can help me find my friends. And the party does point out that, well, everyone we've found so far is dead. 
So I don't know how, how well that, uh, that, me- that uh, means for you. But they agree to all go back to the Spire by Fire and uh, learn more about Chetney and also this person in particular that they're looking for. So uh, they head back to the Spire by Fire and they decide it, it would be a bit naive for everyone just to grab drinks and just kind of um, social with Chetney. So they send up Ladna and Fresh Cut Grass to play this, what they call Good Warden, Bad Warden, you know, the wardens being the guards of the town, <laughs> to get some information out of him. Um, it's a really great scene. Uh, Fresh Cut Grass is the Bad Warden and is trying to be really intimidating, um, even like uh, spinning his saw blade. Um, and Jenny's kind of like, are you good? Like, <laughs> is that supposed to do that? And uh, they're asking a lot of questions and Chetney's being um, a bit evasive or rather very vague. Like, yeah, I was sent here. I'm supposed to be meeting someone. Uh, they didn't show up. And like, why are we at the Dreamscape Theater? Oh, well, they that person likes the theater. And it finally they're not making any headway until finally they kind of just call everyone up and they're like, OK, this, this isn't working. Um, also through this whole like walk and talk back to the spire and then at the spire, um, Travis is just destined to play an old person really well because um, not only is he hilarious as Chetney, but also he just plays a perfectly um, a perfect crotchety old person. Yeah, uh, constantly annoyed at Dorian. Uh, <laughs> hilarious. Dorian's like, you know, hey, I really like your woodworking tools, and he's like, so you know, like, <laughs> what's that supposed to mean? Um, and uh, so Chetney's very uh, abrasive towards Dorian. It's really funny. To the point where everyone's kind of like, hey, will you be nice to Dorian? Like, you know, <laughs> he's just trying to be friendly to you. And Chetney basically uh, reveals that he is a master woodworker or a master craftsman, actually, also known as an MC. Yeah. And uh, there's some funny comments around that. Through their dialogue, they find out that he is actually from Wildemount or Wildmount, excuse me. And um, he's was basically sent over from a craftsman's guild, which he also, it seems like mentions a detail around um, him sort of losing his status there. So he was sent here to meet someone named Gurge, who is a person who lives in the Smolder Spire and is supposed to meet up with him and then introduce him to another group of master craftsmen uh, here in Marquette. So he's basically here looking for work. Yeah. And Gurge, for whatever reason, has disappeared. Um, Chetney doesn't know anything else other than he just didn't show up one day. And again, the party is really trying to mine for more information. Uh, and Chetney's like, I just, and I don't really know the guy. I just, I was sent here. I'm here to meet the guy. So to set me up for a next job. Um, that's really all I know. But I'm worried that maybe something bad might have happened to him. Um, and the party even asked questions like, you know, maybe he got arrested. Did you check like the stockade, like prison or whatever? And he's like, no, I didn't check any of that. I just, I went to the theater cause I knew he liked the theater. Um, he also in talking with the party, the party, uh, he's like, you know, how much is it going to cost? And the party's like, well, you know, what's your specialty? And he's like, I'm really good at, um, crafting toys. And so they all basically make a bargain of instead of gold, he's going to um, pay the party in uh, specific types of wooden toys that they've asked for. And Dorian, by the way, does ask for an airship that um, he asked for an airship, like a model airship that has like broomstone on the bottom and that he can cause like to levitate and fly, uh, which only antagonizes Chetney even more. Who's <laughs> like, you know, I only use wood. I don't use any of the other crap in my stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and actually, now that I think about it, I think he said the reason that he had kind of lost favor in his previous job was because they had started using like metal or like other materials. I can't remember if that's true or not. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that, I don't think he gave like explicit details on what, but he's like, yeah, they decided to move in a new direction, like presumably away from wood. Right, right. And he's it's almost like he's almost like horrified. Like, how could they? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're not deserving. Um, but um, he also does ask the party for like the quick, like the quick and dirty of everyone else. Yeah. Um, and they all kind of give like their version of um, like who they are. And um, it's also at this point that Matt gets up and walks over to Liam O'Brien, who has a high passive perception, by the way, and whispers something in his ear. And um, Fresh Cut Grass uh, points out or Sam Regal points out like, OK, hang on, we're getting a whisper for no reason, like no one's yeah. rolled a perception check or anything. So it's really intriguing. An unsolicited whisper. Yeah, yeah. And Orem points out, and actually he actually puts a hand on Imogen's arm and does like a mental connection and says that the person that they saw in the theater that they had chased after, the mysterious figure, this person was actually sitting down on the first floor of the tavern. It has like an open balcony that they're sitting on. This person's sitting down on the first floor and has followed them there, basically. Um they decide just to be like hey man like we see you just you know um <laughs> you know just stop this whole act and yeah. the person immediately like ducks out of the tavern uh not before laudna and imogen both like start whispering in his ear or doing like the you know mm. message and yeah. um the mind link which totally freaks him out um orum and um uh chetney decide to follow him and basically what ends up happening is long story short they have to do a couple of stealth checks and eventually come to a point a little bit of a ways away from the spire by fire where um orum actually is like just sort of like shot in the dark he just goes hey come on man like we're <laughs> like come we've on, been chasing bro. for a while now and <laughs> it was a really funny scene where like matt was like you know hey i'm glad like we're giving up on like on the high chase fantasy and just being like seriously dude like please um it's late. <laughs> only rolls only rolls like a four on the perception or on the persuasion and uh but all this to say um uh the npc this character does stop and not facing the party basically says, I'm just here to talk to your blue friend, uh, to talk to Dorian. And um, it is clear at this point that this is someone who appears to be a Corsair, a Hubot Corsair, uh, as well as also for sure being the person that they had seen it clocked in the theater before. So they go back, uh, they get um, Dorian, who uh, Laden is like, oh, another fan. Wow. He's like, yeah, I don't know. And um, basically they, they come back to this person and the character turns to face Dorian, and it is uh, his brother, Cyrus Wyvernwind. And it's a really funny scene because um, they're like, how do you know Dorian? And he's like, uh, Dorian, <laughs> yeah, right. Dorian, right yeah. um, which we know from EXU that Dorian is his stage name, and he, his real name is Bronte. He goes by Bron. So uh, they're like, yeah, Dorian Storm. And he's like, right storm i'm cyrus storm. Uh, yeah i'm cyrus storm <laughs> it's a really funny scene and basically um cyrus is like can you trust these people like what do you like who are these people and dorian actually says he says i'm not sure he doesn't say like yes you absolutely can he's like i just i'm not really sure yeah and um basically they say um cyrus is like yeah i am a uh, i actually am a who bought corsair like they've treated me really well um and they just said, you know what, let's go back to the, the Spire by Fire and let's actually talk more about this. 
Um, they go back. We get this really awesome lore dump where we find out that even though Dorian has said they aren't royalty, they absolutely are um, part of like this. Think of it as like a sage-like entity within the Air Genasi where people over over the years have relied on his family for wisdom and counsel and kind of like like the. I don't know if it's like a spoken leadership, but definitely like those are like the heads of our people. Mm-hmm. Um, they also find out that the Air Genasi seem to have always taken a sort of pilgrimage. Um, so Dorian having left, even though it seemed like a rarity, Cyrus mentions that, hey, did you know mom and dad, they also took a pilgrimage of their own, a journey of their own. And this kind of calls back to the comment on like our people are destined to to wander is um, a comment that was made in a previous yeah. episode. We also find out that um, someone had a great comment about it, maybe, maybe being the plane of air. And um, Cyrus points out that actually, I think she even Dory maybe mentions it, that their hometown, so to speak, is a floating tent city, yeah. which is like, wait, what? And people are like, yes, yeah, so like, would you see it if it was like flying by? And he's like, oh yeah, totally. Like you'd be like, yeah, there's the, flying tent city and it's called the silken squall is that right Mm -hmm. yeah so they're from the silken squall is basically what it's called and one of the reasons why um they're having this conversation also is uh which by the way um uh, robbie damon does a phenomenal job just representing this bitterness towards his brother it's clear like his brother the older brother maybe even the taller like uh charismatic good looking brother has really kind of always been the golden child so he's really frustrated to see that cyrus has also left like kind of like stealing his thunder of being the brother who's who left first and what ends up happening is cyrus is like yeah like i'm sorry i was a bad brother but um i'm in a little bit of trouble and dorian's like oh do you need money like come on man like what are you doing (laughs) cyrus basically is like yeah I, i do need a little bit of money um i'm not asking you for any but um basically shares about how he was very green coming out of the silken squall and kind of wanted to um, points rightly points out, like if we're supposed to be leading air Genasi all over the world, like how can we do that if we don't even understand the world? Right. So he basically got out, took some odd jobs, was kind of trying to like experience life as a normal person. And he was on a job where basically he was tasked with escorting a caravan and, um, what ended up happening was this caravan got attacked by a band of thieves led by a person named Nova. And um, what they did was as they attacked the, the um, caravan, there was this big crate with the initials. Was it G did we say G uh, J H or J E? I think it's J H. Okay. J H. Um, so a, a box with the initials J H and um, this caravan apparently is owned by the Gold Guild of Treshi, which also the Treshi House also ran the Masons Guild that put in the wall or the repairs, excuse me, at the Dreamscape Theater. Yeah. So apparently a very well-known guild or well-known uh, house. But this box, out of this box came a large golem that seemed to be working for the thieves and um, essentially ran off with them. And Cyrus took the fall for it. And they're like, well, okay, so, I mean, how much money's on your head? And um, I think he says 20,000 or 25,000 yeah. gold pieces. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, 
it was a great moment because everyone was like, yeah, how bad could it be? And he's like, 20,000. They're like, whoa, okay. And they're also like, why are you here? Yeah, like, you, you shouldn't be hide. here. Yeah, you need to go home and like not leave the Hubot Corsairs. And they, he actually points out, like, have they not wanted to turn you in? And he's like, no, they've been really good to me. Like, they've really taken care of me. Yeah. And um, they've actually been protecting me. So, um, you know, it's they have they continue this conversation and they decide, you know, you should probably go back to the Hubot Corsairs. But Cyrus does something interesting. He asks Dorian to promise him if something happens to me, you know, you're going to be needed back home as the next in line. And Dorian's like, what? Like, no, like, come on, man. Like, don't talk to me that way. Dorian actually decides to walk him back to the Hubot Corsairs um, uh, over in the Lantern Spire and uh, takes with him one of the Sending Stones and actually gives it to, um, uh, gives it to uh, Cyrus. Like, yeah. basically says, hey, if you need us, if anything happens, call us and tell us. And uh, Cyrus does mention that when he was younger, he had a pet rock and uh, Dorian jokes that he killed it. And uh, uh, so when he gets the sending stone, he's like, oh my gosh, you're lucky rock. Thank you. And uh, then Dorian walks back alone and gets her totally fine. So uh, that's pretty much what happened on the first half. Did I miss miss any big details? I don't think so. Thank you. Okay. You hit the, the bullet points. Yeah. Do you want to hit the second half? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, um, Uh, Like Blake mentioned, Dorian makes it back and essentially everyone just goes to sleep for the night. And um, they wake up, have breakfast, and uh, Chetney apparently just slept in like the lobby of the tavern. He didn't get a room. Mm -hmm. He was like, yeah, just throw a cloak on top of me and uh, I'm good for the night. You know, he's like, it pays not to be seen, which kind of just like playing into his his roguish character. Um, But Fern's like, you know, you could sleep with me next time. And he's like, Oh really? He's like, yeah, sure. (laughs) And he he takes her up on that offer, dude. (laughs) That's what Uh, I took from that. (laughs) And so, you know, they're all eating breakfast, kind of catching up still a little bit. And uh, the party asked Dorian, he's like, Hey, so should we call you Dorian or should we call you Bronte? Um, And he's like, yeah, call me Dorian. And um, they're like, okay. And they're kind of sitting, trying to figure out like what the day like what they should do with the day in front of them. And uh, Dorian says that, you know what, like Cyrus with the Corsairs, like he's probably fine for now. So we can focus on this Chetney Gurge thing. Um, And so with that being what they decide to do, Chetney offers to take them to Gurge's house and they can kind of start their investigation there to try to figure out um, what happened to them. But as they're having this conversation, they notice there's like a commotion near the um, entrance to the tavern and there seems to be a lot of a group of people that look uh, to be like miners, um, all having a kind of loud conversation, saying like, "Oh, this is bullshit," and you know the, the whole city's falling apart. You know, we need to find a new place to go. And um, so the party takes notice of this, and they actually notice a cloaked individual go up to the notice board and nail in something. Um, so Ashton grabs the flyer, and the party reads it. And it's basically this flyer that's just asking for skilled, like, abled people to protect pr- protect against mm-hmm. the Hubot Corsairs. And right. it basically lambasts the Wilders for not doing their job and saying that, you know, the city's getting out of control. Somebody's got to do something about this. And it actually calls for the aid of the Paragon's Call. And we find out that the Paragon's Call is like this mercenary group that basically came to fame about 20 years ago during a big conflict in the Hellcatch Valley. And they're known for doing whatever it takes to get the job done as long as uh, the price is right, as long as they're paid. Right. Um, and Imogen basically wonders, 
if the Paragon's Call is trying to like take over the city in like a coup kind of as um, as this flyer demands they be given authority. And um, they kind of wonder like, you know, since the party's familiar with the Corsairs, they're kind of like, well, you know, what is this flyer about? Like maybe the Corsairs are like this Robin Hood figure and perhaps the Paragon's Call may be like the rich person's response. Like, you know, maybe trying to... Yeah, the like wealthy, the the, watch. yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever and, the comment was. <clears throat> and, like, the uh, neighborhood sucks, <laughs> you know, whatever. <laughs> so they're they're just trying to figure out what this all may mean, and um, the group of miners that were kind of causing this whole commotion were basically just um, talking about how they don't really feel safe in the city anymore with all these like warring factions, and they're talking about maybe leaving and finding work elsewhere. Right. Um. Then uh, Laudna just kind of asks Ashton if they've ever had a bounty on their head, given the conversation uh, with Cyrus the night before. And she's wondering like how the bounties works, uh, how bounties work. And um, Ashton says, yeah, yeah, like probably a couple, honestly. And mm-hmm. uh, Laudna asks like, were they resolved? Like, what do you do? And um, Ashton says that, you know, if you get caught, you pay the bounty off. Um, they don't really want you. They want their money. Um, otherwise, you know, they'll take your life. So that's kind of like the trade-off. So you basically, they're less concerned with getting you. They're more concerned with just getting their money. Um, anyway, the party then decides to head to the Smolder Spire, which is where Chetney is showing them that, uh, you know, Gurge stays. They take a cable car over there and a few members of the party are like pretty nervous about like what, what it would mean if, if something were to go wrong and they would fall. Um, Imogen being one of them that's quite nervous, but FCG uh, casts calm emotions on her and kind of helps her get through it. And when they get off on the other side, there's like a big automaton that's like cranking this wheel that's basically powering the cable cars going back and forth. And uh, FCG says, you know, like smiley day or or hi or something to it. And it just, you know, just no response at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, they just make the comment like, yeah, he's not really like you, huh? And uh, anyway, so they make their way to the to Gurge's hovel and um you know Chetney runs up and you know is like Gurge no response uh the door's locked but uh Chetney does pick it they break in get inside and um they basically start investigating and there's like upturned furniture and the place is basically a mess it looks as if there is some sort of struggle here and um they first and foremost check for the shade creeper tunnels and see if there's anything like that going on and there's not but there are like these thick gashes in the wall and what appear to be claw marks. And uh, Laudna goes outside to see if she can see anything outside of the house. And um, a half-elven woman comes up to her uh, named Sirach. And she's like, what are, you, what are you guys doing here? And we come to find out she's like the landlord of this place. Um, she rented it to Gurge and she's looking for him because he hasn't paid her. Um, and the party basically learned from her that there was a direwolf attack here, which explains the claw marks and everything inside. Yeah. And um, apparently... Yeah, yeah, apparently the uh, the wardens came through, put the wolves down, and uh, that was that. And she basically, Sirach basically just wants her money and is like, you know, what, like, basically is trying to put the onus on the party, being like, are you going to pay me? Right. And they're like, no, like, listen, we'll find Gurge, you'll get your money, we have nothing to do with this. Um, and she's like, okay. Um, and Chetney, while this is all happening, is kind of like explaining more about Gurge and says that, yeah, he usually lives out in the jungle, like in the wild. This was just his office. And he was like, yeah, the Master Craftsman's Guild um, sent me down here, you know, after I got kicked out. And Gurge was basically supposed to help me find a new job. 
And um, yeah, Blake already mentioned this, but he basically just talks about that his previous employer, you know, had a change in direction and he basically just felt like he wasn't needed or wanted anymore. And right. um, so they, they kind of, having found out the dire wolf thing, pretty much that's all they get from visiting his house house. And so they decide to head, um, to toward the wardens because, you know, they, someone, I think it was Dorian maybe had the idea that, you know, let's check the jail. Like maybe he's there, especially since the wardens were here dealing with those dire wolves. Um, so they head that way and they actually find, uh, two wardens like standing guard and they ask about the dire wolf attack and the guards like, yeah, you know, that totally happened. And Imogen's like, well, is anyone getting medical treatment or anything? Because we're looking for someone. And at mention of that, one of the wardens goes inside to to talk to a superior. And the one that stayed behind is like, oh, well, who's your friend? And they tell him the name Gurge. And he, he's being kind of like, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, guarded, for no pun yeah. intended. <laughs> and so FCG decides to cast Detect Thoughts to get into his head. And the guard uh, is basically thinking about, like, wait, who are these people? How do they know Kurt Gurge? I need to talk to my boss about this. And so they can tell he's being kind of shady. And he soon leaves to go inside as well. And so FCG tells the party, like, what he heard through thinking about his thoughts. And uh, he's like, yeah, I think they're hiding something. So Fern decides to turn into a rat and follow them inside. She kind of crawls through. And um, inside, the two guards have kind of gone further back into this chamber and finally up through a room where there is like presumably their boss who is like sitting down behind a desk and they close the door behind them. Uh, Fern just manages to like scoot under the door to be inside there and listen. And um, the one in command uh, basically tells the two subordinates that like, Hey, Gurge has been arrested. He'll be released. And it's, it's none of their business really. He's like, I'll mm -hmm. take care of the rest. Um, He's like, you two, you officially know nothing about this. Stop answering questions about it. And uh, he basically is like kind of being pretty harsh on him. Mm -hmm. um, so then the guards move to exit the room. And as they do, uh, Fern is told to make a dexterity saving throw and she actually fails. So one of the guards actually steps on her as a rat and she takes a point of damage. And yeah. her rat form only has one HP. So because of that, the rat form yeah. poofs away <laughs> and yeah. there Fern stands in all her glory, just straight there right in front of these wardens and their boss. And that's where the episode ends. We're left on uh, mm -hmm. that cliffhanger. But Ashley Johnson does promise us I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, yeah. And I forgot one detail as I was thinking about it. I did forget to mention that the initials on the golem crate that got broken out by Nova earlier yeah. Uh, Cyrus's story that the same initials Imogen mentions to um, Ashton that that letter that he received in his room that he highly right. redacted right. that she says hey I saw the initials and saw that that was also JH it sounds like it's connected and Ashton basically is, is um, fairly nervous which is interesting how confident he is but he says like I, I hope not I hope it's not related but we still yeah. shouldn't really mess with that um, that was the only detail that I forgot to mention the plot so, thickens yeah so that was episode eight. It's the last one of 2021. Oof, feels bad. No, but I am excited for the next one. And uh, again, by the way, if you're just watching this recap at the bottom, you can see the link to the full video. So, Will, uh, reactions, my friend. What did you think of the episode? Uh, I liked it. I mean, you're, I'm going to be hard pressed to find an episode I don't like. This was a um, 
this was a slower episode in, in terms of not much happened really but we got a lot of juicy information via you know cyrus and dorian so i really enjoyed that i always love you know backstory drops good um, rp sesh exactly exactly so when i say slow and that not much happened i don't mean that as like a detriment because i still i loved what we got but in terms of like you know really noticeably progressing the story forward not much happened but we got left on an awesome cliffhanger and um there were some really fantastic moments i mean props to travis really like he, it was so funny. Like I was crying, laughing in that first oh, half. Yeah, we were. My wife and I, we were just in tears watching <laughs> it for sure. Yeah, it was so funny. So, and Dorian's yeah. reactions to getting yes. like, yelled at. I mean, they just they handed it up really well. It was great. So yeah, I I I love the episode. Um, but it's sad that we got to wait a few weeks to to see what happens. But what about what about you? Uh, I loved it. I loved it. Like I said, my wife and I like couldn't stop watching. Uh, couldn't stop laughing. Um, loved it. I love Robbie Damon. And so getting more of his backstory um, was really great. Um, so that was really fun. It was just really cool. Like, it, it, again, it's interesting how, you know, we keep getting like these plot threads that pop up. You mm -hmm. know, I kind of think of like a, um, if you've ever like, um, I don't know, tried to, to like wind or wrap a bunch of rubber bands. And like, sometimes like one will like fling out or pop out or kind of spirals out. Yeah. And um, it feels like as we're unpacking the story, like these other plot threads are opening up, but it doesn't feel um, clunky or um, too much. And I know that was one of our mutual criticisms with EXU was it just, the interconnectedness didn't necessarily feel present. Right. Um, in this case, it feels like we keep getting more breadcrumbs that just seem to make sense. It just seems to, it doesn't feel like distracting, I guess, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so getting that whole lore drop on Dorian's backstory, um, really liked one of the commenters in our previous video who threw out the idea that maybe it was the plane of air. And, um, I really liked that theory. Um, and I'm really curious about this floating city. It's pretty interesting. Um, and just the lore behind the Air Genasi was really intriguing, but great episode, um, really funny. Chetney's hilarious, and uh, I yeah, I'm super bummed. I mean, yeah, we got how long till the next episode? One, two, three, yeah, three weeks. So it's gonna be painful to wait. Yeah. So is it the sixth? I guess that was that one they said. Be the sixth. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, just under three weeks. Well, so we need to come up with some content then. I know we have one thing. Uh, yeah. But uh we might we but may yeah. need to think of something else. Well, I guess I guess never mind. I don't know. We'll think of something maybe yeah. for that other week. But yeah, all that to say, love the episode. It was really great. Yeah. And like too. you said, I think I'm an unabashed unabashed unabashedly yeah, big fan of um critical role, so it would it would have to be a really bad episode for probably me to have a problem with it. Yeah. So I will gladly gladly admit that I am super unbiased or super biased, <laughs> excuse me, for CR. But so many other interesting breadcrumbs. Like I just want to know the story. Like you know, the JH initials was really interesting. Yeah. Um, the Gurge thing, which uh, the the phrasing confused me because they went to a factory, and I thought maybe it was like a factory that like maybe doubled as a prison or something. But that detail was really unclear to me. And then the other detail that was unclear was the manager person wasn't actually telling the guards, hey, we arrested Gurge. 
he was just saying, go tell them that Gurge has been arrested, oh, right? Oh, I don't know. Because I think he was saying, just tell them that Gurge has been arrested and we can't release him. And then don't answer any other questions. Like, I'll handle it. Okay. Um, that's the impression I got. I don't know if that's actually the case. That's possible. I mean, I'm, I haven't... I haven't like rewatched it, so I'm only based off that like one first time. So I, that would make sense that he was just like trying to get you know get them off his tail. Um, yeah, hmm. I guess should we just talk about I don't know what to talk about first. I guess I guess let's talk about that since we're already yeah, okay. kind of talking about it. Uh, I so you mentioned the factory part. I actually didn't include that in the recap because my notes confused me. <laughs> so I was just like, I'm just gonna say they went to talk to those wardens, which is what they did. Yeah. But the I had wardens are sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just saying I had factory written down too, but I, since that's all I had in my notes, I was like, wait, what they went, it says factory, so, but they went to talk to the wardens. So I was confused. Here's, here's my impression of the factory is we got some backstory on how, um, the smolder spire is it's producing, it's taking like precious metals and like outputting something from that. And, um, nothing, I'm not being purposely vague. I mean, Matt mentions like coal and like other metals and things like that, but, um, it may be a bit of like the money, um, the money producing, like the out, out, output part of the, of Drusar. And, um, so my impression was a factory that people worked in, but also was managed by or protected by the wardens. Okay. Uh, Cause there's even a point where the wardens, when they're put off by this party, they go inside and they like shut like this metal door. And I couldn't tell if it was an employee or like a bystander, but they were like, Hey, why are you closing? Like what's going on? And yeah, the, yeah. and the guard was like, "Don't worry about it. Like it's fine. Like we're just shutting things down for a minute." Right. So I have the impression that it's some kind of like warden-owned or managed facility, um, but there wasn't a lot of details, so I'm not sure. Yeah, that's why I was confused. But I guess at least at this juncture, I guess it's not important. Maybe it'll become clearer as we go. But uh, yeah, I was wondering about that. Um, so I guess. My implication walking away from it was that he was arrested and that the the, the leader was saying, you know, he, he'll be released soon. Like, just, you know, whatever. But you're saying that you think he was just lying and say, like, just tell them he was arrested, but he wasn't. Yeah, I think well, the phrasing that stood out to me, I think I think the, the guy who had the guard who had detect thoughts. I don't think the so my impression that he didn't say, oh, how do they know Gurge? But he said, how do they know this person, Gurge? Like even implying that maybe he himself doesn't know who Gurge is. Mm -hmm. And then I think the manager person they went to said, just go tell them he's been arrested. I think okay. was the phrasing. Tell them they've been arrested and then don't answer any more questions. And like, you guys stop being such idiots. Like, why are you even <laughs> entertaining talking to these people? Yeah. Um, which seems very nefarious. But yeah, so I don't, I don't think it was, um, oh, well, Gurge has been arrested, guys. Don't tell them that. You know, I think it was like, just get them off our back, like stall them, uh, which, you know, kind of begs the question, like what, what are they hiding? Right. Um, and how strange it is that there's dire wolves up in a spire, like way above the jungle. Yeah. So, so all this fishiness is making me think that, you know, all right. The story we were presented was dire wolves attacked Gurge's house. The wardens came and took care of it. And then for whatever reason, the wardens took Gurge from that. Uh, but to me, since there's this shadiness with the wardens around Gurge, I'm wondering if there ever was a direwolf attack. Like maybe that well, was Ciroc, the story. Ciroc doesn't, didn't even know that there was a direwolf attack in her, in her home that she was renting to Gurge. She mentions that the direwolf attack actually happened 
like down the street. And so we're just putting the details because like Fern even says like, Hey, since I've been a direwolf in EXU, what I know, like what I recognize, like these are for sure direwolf marks. Like what I recognize, like the leftover pheromones or whatever. And Matt was kind of coy with it. it was like, no, you, you wouldn't. Sorry. Like it's been too long. You can't smell anything. Um, so just that level of mystery makes me wonder if it's a red herring. Like we know there was a direwolf attack down the street. We don't, even though it's strange that it happened, but something different possibly happened to Gurge. We know it wasn't, we, or we presume it's not the shade creeper because he does mention that the claw marks seem stronger than, um, Matt says the shade creepers that you've encountered so far. Yeah. And there were no um, tunnels. Right. Either. Exactly. But, and I think, so. I think Ciroc just said she heard about it so like she didn't even see the dire wolf right attack down the street or wherever it was so like maybe that was all just like a made-up story to cover for whatever happened here right oh oh okay so that's interesting like maybe yeah maybe the wardens are lying there is no yeah. dire wolf but they just said that because that was the other detail was i was like that's so weird is how would the dire wolf get up here because mm -hmm. uh, i mean you have to take a, t a cable car to get to the smaller spire Right. So um, not that there wouldn't be like other ways to get up to the smolder spire from the jungle, but um, that would be interesting if it's just like, you know, the story told to the people when actually something else is happening. Um, so. But there were claw marks. Mm-hmm. Yep. There were claw marks. It does. And the, the house was, I mean, the room was basically ripped yeah. apart too. So. Werewolf? interesting i don't know if i'm i don't know if gurge would be the werewolf or maybe like someone else was and attacked him or something travis is true npc <laughs> <laughs> exactly i but, did see a theory by the way that maybe travis is just playing versions of all his old characters <laughs> like we're gonna see like an old grog at some point that would be interesting so, I, yeah we talked briefly about this last time but the and I don't even know what I'm talking about. So let me just throw that disclaimer out there. But the whole trademark thing makes me think that this probably is his main character. Yeah, that's true. But someone else, another commenter on our channel said that, um, you know, they trademark anything, they any merchandise they plan to sell. And so since it's the holiday time and, you know, the variant of Chutney from the Christmas one shot, maybe they want to sell like some, some Chutney gear or something for the holiday, which... Maybe that's a little too neat and tidy. I don't know. Yeah. But I don't, yeah, but yeah. I, I'm like 70, 30. It's his character. Yeah. I. But if, it, but if it's not, we're just saying from the get go that we always thought it wasn't. <laughs> exactly. Cover yeah. our bases. Yeah. Oh, um, so. Okay. So we don't really know what's going on there. Something shady though. And let me just recap what we do know about Gurge, or at least we think we know is that. <clears throat> One, he's not a he's not a halfling. Like, I mean, not that he would need to be, but um, mm -hmm. Chetney did say that he was like the same height as Ashton. So, like, I guess this is just stupid. But I still I got like elves in the brain from the whole Christmas one shot, and clearly Chetney is like a he makes toys and he's a halfling or or no, I'm sorry, yeah, he's a gnome. He's a gnome. He's a gnome. Um, yeah. so I meant to say gnome every time I just said halfling in the past two minutes. Uh. But so he's a master craft. Is he a master? Okay. I know I'm yeah. going crazy right he's here. He's an MC. Chetney, he just, like, when he first said it, he, like, I felt like he was kind of weird about it. They're like, are you one? And he was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I mean, I think he is too, but I'm just not like a hundred percent. Um, 
But so he was a, a master craftsman that was part of a guild when he got kicked out. It was not wanted anymore. Right. And then is it that same guild that hooked him up with Gurge? Or did he, or, or... it seems like, yeah, I think he said that they sent him here to meet up with Gurge, who's going to connect him with another group. Um, he was, I mean, it, it's hard to track it because, I mean, even the party pointed out like, hey, man, like we want to help, but like you're being really weird about this. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. I know it's your backstory. You don't want to spill it all right away, but <laughs> like we need something to go yeah. on here. Um, but Orm does say like, Hey, is this a sensitive, is this a painful subject? And he's like, yeah, it kind of is. And so, you know, maybe, but he, and he does later mention that he wasn't wanted anymore. So, uh, but that, that seems to be the connection though. And so Gurge is for whatever reason, a middleman that can help a master craftsman find a new job. Right. Um, but is Gurge himself a master craftsman? Because there were comments made on like the beauty of the furniture that was overturned inside. I don't know if that was just Travis like building up his character as like noticing, oh, like I love this furniture. If that was like, no, Gurge is also a master craftsman. Yeah, I did, I took it more to mean that Gurge was someone who is like subtly from money, like has really good connections, like, um, you know, because it seems like the Smolder Spire is kind of presented in my mind, at least as like a bit of a rougher part of Drusar. Uh, they even mentioned like the layer of ash that kind of just sits over everything from like the big smokestacks from the factory or what have you. Yeah. And, um, you know, can't be a great quality of life. Right. And so I took it to be like, maybe it is, this person is a master craftsman himself. Um, I took it as a more subtle, like, oh, wow, this person's, you know, has good taste, I guess. Um, mm. but Chenny does also mention since all the furniture is broken. He's like, this is why I don't do furniture anymore is because <laughs> people don't appreciate it. They yeah. break it. So. And, and it's just his office. He usually right. stays in the wild, which is kind of weird. I, yeah. We don't know his race, right? Was that ever said? I just remember I him being so. the same height as Ashton, but I don't remember a race. I don't think so. Said. All I remember is same height as Ashton. And I think he described him as kind of like greasy or like not as just kind of messy, mm. like kind of a messy fellow. Um these things kind of play into he could be a werewolf. Like he normally stays out in the wild. He's unkempt and greasy. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. I don't, I feel like that's a fair theory. I feel like we're, I don't feel like we're Mephistoing too hard, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think that, yeah, I, I see the connections, but why is so. a, why is a werewolf being a job headhunter? I don't know. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, maybe they called it a direwolf attack, but it, like you said, maybe it was a werewolf, and maybe the wardens captured that person as keeping, and it is Gurge. Um, but that would also point to like the mystery that the wardens are keeping is, you know, we don't want people to know there's a werewolf um, in town because it does seem like also like the wardens are, um, or my perception is that they'd also be a bit aware of like the gossip in the town and like kind of like the overall like um, sense of like stress. Cause like Sorak even mentions like, yeah, there was an explosion in the course fire and they're like, Oh, do we know about that? Was, and just pointing to like that original, like wow of like magical energy that the, uh, furniture came to life, uh, from in the first episode. Yeah. Um, so maybe they're being, they just don't want people to, you know, panic, I guess. I'm not sure. That's true. And people are unhappy with them. Uh, given that notice board parchment we were talking about earlier that, you know, they think, People think they've lost control of the city and aren't doing anything about anything. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's really just 
shots in the dark right now because we really don't have anything else to go on. But definitely very interesting that I don't know because even if he's a werewolf, I guess I don't know enough about like the world to know if like are werewolves just like another race, like you know, just like another normal thing you know like there's half orcs there's vampires there's werewolves or is it like oh like a werewolf that is a threat like regardless of you know and so maybe that's why they're being weird or if it's like a a sickness like lycanthropy um true that'd be another angle with it too Mm. so we get infected but yeah so you mentioned the um the notice board and like the people who seem to be unhappy with the status of the town. Yeah. Um, I was intrigued by this Paragon's call and um, especially how the note specifically pointed to the Hubot Corsairs as like the reason yeah. like things were so bad. And we, it's, I think it's pretty safe to assume that the Hubot Corsairs are maybe we would assume like morally good, like have well-intentioned purposes. Um, and I say it's because of past interactions with them and even them being described as kind of Robin Hood esque, but also um cyrus's story of yeah. you know i'm in debt 20 grand of gold it's an inexorbitant amount and they've protected me and taken care of me um that seems uh, like an idealistic um like organization driven by like wholesome values i don't know yeah but they're not afraid to get their hands dirty you know on right this, on the same token because you know they did they did take care of someone that was like after cyrus and that's right because cyrus is like oh no they <laughs> they sent him to the farm uptown and i'm like do you really think that's what happened yeah and he's, and he's like, like oh, oh no gosh. did they kill somebody yeah which they probably did because i mean you know i mean yeah. we haven't really seen them come do on any of these threats but you know they they got collateral from everyone on the the team and you know we're like if yeah. you mess with us we're gonna kill your dad type of thing so maybe they're all talk but even if they aren't like even if they do get their hands dirty uh they do seem to be like i don't know if good is the right word but like yeah uh higher um yeah what is the phrasing we would use for it yeah good's not the right word it's they have the they have like the best interests of their community at heart like you know they're not like in it for wealth i guess or right power like they're actually they have good intentions i guess (laughs) yeah and the ends justify the means yeah like we'll yeah, we'll get our hands dirty if it advances our overall mission, I guess. Yeah. So, so. it would make sense then that the, like, if the, I mean, the, the Ivory Syndicate wasn't mentioned at all in any of this, but if they are part of the infected, the quorum or whatever, that the, the people higher up in the city maybe want this to be dealt with. And so maybe they're at the point of like, yo, let's bring in the Paragon's call to take these people out. Right. Um, so the the rich man's response to the to Robin Hood, I guess. Right, right. I mean, I actually wonder if the Ivory Syndicate and the Paragon's Call are somehow like related or connected. Yeah, I, Paragon's Call is kind of like the the face showing side of the organization, and you know, we take coin and we get the job done. And then the Ivory Syndicate is sort of the more underbelly, underhanded, um, blatantly violent. You know, all those other descriptors we've gotten from them. Um, because otherwise it feels it does feel a bit clunky to have oh here's another organization but but then again i mean drusar if it's you know in the middle of this jungle i mean maybe it's it'd be a very lucrative game to be the one to control it um so yeah. it wouldn't i guess it would make sense if there was a third entirely third entity being invited in so yeah um 
it there's a lot of there's a lot of threads at play here and it'd be interesting to see how it fans out but i did i did think it was kind of weird that there's been like an absence of the ivory syndicate mentioned in any of this thus far like you know we right we originally thought that that was like the bad guy painted for us and they've been just completely i mean they may they may be the ones pulling the strings they may be the paragon's call but they've been mm. weirdly absent from any of the political yeah. stuff going on right um okay so i want to talk about cyrus and all of that uh yeah and i there's there's a lot to cover there but uh i'm just gonna start with the the bounty since we were kind of just talking about that and um just kind of recap like what exactly we think happened was he was hired because he you know he's he's out for the first time in his life living life ran out of money he's like oh wants to make his own coin yeah yeah he's like i gotta gotta make some money so he like started being an escort which he said and everyone made fun (laughs) of him he's like no like with my sword like i protect oh and so he got hired to to escort this caravan and with a box included that is owned by someone with the initials jh apparently it had a golem inside um but and correct me if i'm wrong here what i took this to mean is that he, he was not the only person escorting this there was a whole like band of people hired to yeah escort it seemed this. like it and yeah. that band are the bandits like they betrayed yeah he said he has a line where he says um i you know i didn't know that basically they were in on it i i didn't know if he was referring to some of his people who was with him because how else do you know the name nova nova right of, like this band of thieves um, I don't know if he meant that or if he was pointing to like the golem itself. Like we didn't know that the golem was part of it. Cause it seemed like when the attack happened, the golem activated, broke out and was assisting the, um, the thieves. I think it was the former because I think there was something said about Nova issuing commands. So I think he like took control of the golem. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, yeah. And so I guess Cyrus then was left as the fall person. The fall guy. So yeah, he was hired with these guys. Unbeknownst to him, all the other guys were like, "This was all a setup." They stole this golem from. Well, I guess not. We don't know if it's from JH, but JH marked golem and just got away, left him alive. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. More like we should probably kill that guy. Yeah, which I guess maybe <laughs> like, you're good to be the. Fall maybe they needed guy. a fall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and this was all, um, the 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 caravan that was being escorted was at the Treshy guilt or gold guild gold guild the gold trashy guild <laughs> yeah which house trashy's gold guild yeah house trashy which, which, which <laughs> i took as, took as like a mercantile like a uh a, a trader's um guild of some kind yeah and i forget who it was at the table but somebody was asking about like the houses and stuff and matt clarified that like yeah there are like powerful houses and some of them control guilds and sometimes multiple guilds and so we know that trashy at least has a gold guild or whatever and also a mason's guild so this is a very powerful family i wonder if they're one of the um mahan houses or if they're not related to drusaro though they seem to be um, yeah right so yeah so he got left with the bill there and now everyone wants him um I, it's just it, it's crazy to me and you already pointed this out but that the corsairs have not like double crossed him and turned him in for that money you know, you think that that would be like an ends justifying the means type of move for them. Yeah. And maybe it's less about, um, maybe it's less about him and even like protecting their own. And it's more about who they know ultimately wants the gold. 
like if they know this JH mm. person or like since they seem very stuck on um to use my own phrasing kind of like taking back dressar and um you know identifying the um people who are part of the um the chandri quorum i keep wanting to call it the charcuterie <laughs> <laughs> the chandri quorum um it does feel like again going with that like whole robin hood perspective like down with the elites down with you know those individuals and um so maybe it's more about that is we don't want to see them win or advance their mission um more than we want to see you know one of our own be you know killed or something that's that's my take on it only because i mean but it could also be just as simple as like yeah he's one of ours and you know yeah so I wonder, I mean, they obviously trust him. Like he's a trusted member. I wonder who he gave his collateral and like what, if the Corsairs know his true identity, like as far as being prince, isn't the right word, but mm -hmm. you know, a prince of the Silken Squall basically. Um, yeah. Which what's up with the Silken Squall, man? I'm like yeah. I'm trying to visualize this. I'm like, what's going on here? Which I don't know if you want to say more about the bounty. No, that's pretty much it. I just kind of wanted to like okay. parse it out again to make sure I was. Yeah. Maybe one correctly. last detail is this JH person from the letter. I mean, Ashen seems right. rattled about it. Um, he doesn't want the party to know more about it. And he's twice now said, like, we just need to kind of wait and see how things play out. Yeah. He's been really secretive about that. So right. he's still, he didn't mention this in, in this episode, but two episodes ago, you know, he's like, I got to go talk to somebody like by myself. He still hasn't like made time to do that. So I wonder if he will. Right. Coming up now that there's this like new connection to it. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So, um, Cyrus Wyvern wind, uh, silken squall. What's your take on all this? Yeah. So, uh, the silken squall is like this floating tent city that is the home to the, the air Genasi. I think I said Ashari in our last episode. I'm trying to make sure I don't <laughs> say that again. Um, so yeah, I mean, like we kind of have talked about that apparently they're like his the Air Genasi as like a race are like wanderers. So maybe they don't have like a a a home per se. And so the Silken Squall kind of serves as this like oasis for them in the world. And for whatever reason, Dorian's parents and like his whole lineage, I guess, has always served as like these advice givers like the, the i think somebody said oracles which i mm. i didn't really get that i mean i think it was maybe as a joke like oh, oracles didn't see that coming but I don't, I don't know if they got that impression that they literally like have the gift of foresight i think they just are like yeah like it, i think they seem to be understood leaders um you know even i think even calling them like sage like might be even a bit of a misnomer i mean he does say people come to them for advice and he kind of they kind of give direction um, but it's more pronounced than that yeah. in that even Robbie, as he's explaining the dynamics of, um, his mother and father, he says they rule, they rule together. They, they share power equally. So there right. definitely is like a ruling leadership element to this beyond just like, oh, that's, that's the person we ask all our questions to, right. like, the smartest person in town. Like, it's yeah. like, no, like they, um, and it's interesting that, 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 um, Dorian is so like resistant to like embrace that description of like, you know, yeah. not royalty. I'm not a prince, you know, don't call us that. 
because I think Imogen's like, okay, bye, your highness. And he's like, don't do that. Um, but it could also be he's just, you know, very humble. I mean, that's kind of what yeah. I, how I like his, his character as a bard is that he is not like the stereotypical bard, I guess, but actually a bit like step back. And um, so it could be just that more of his personality is the reason why he's been like that. So, and it, and it is like a more deliberate, like Royal even uses phrasing like, yeah, you're, you know, Cyrus says you'd be next in line. Like, right. Yeah. There's even yeah. like a succession type of thing. Right. So they seem to be treated as Royal or noble at the very least. And yeah, they just, are this home base for all air genasi i guess and give advice and lead the people i don't know but it float around yeah you know <laughs> which this calls back to something that he, I, robbie actually said in exu about like when his people fell so you know we originally speculated that maybe they at one point had like a floating city that fell mm -hmm. but they still they currently have a floating city so maybe that's not exactly what he meant but maybe he meant like like way grander scale like when the air genasi fell and so now all they have is this floating tent city whereas maybe they previously had like a kingdom or something yeah i kind of wondered if this was like the only one left it um, seems that way yeah yeah so that makes sense to me and so there's a natural like prestige around it and appreciation for it um, there was a detail I was going to say about that. Oh, so, uh, you know, the fact that it's kind of floating all over the place and it seems like it's not just Marquette. It seems like, is it just Marquette or can it go? I don't think so. I feel like it could be anywhere. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was a great callback to EXU where he first tells the fake story to uh, Darian, mm -hmm. Matt Mercer's character in EXU about being like traveling. Darian, <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> being traveling. Uh, you know, carnies basically. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so you know how, like, when the carnival comes to town, you know, they, it's travels around, and you never. It's like, oh, where's it going to go next? And it was a really nice um, uh, metaphor, I guess. Is he's talking about yeah, traveling circus. Yeah. And here is this floating city that travels. That you know, you never quite know where it's going, where it's going to be. Um, so it was actually a um, an interesting callback. Yeah, that is like the imagery that uh, that if, that it evokes in my mind is this floating tent city. I'm imagining like this majestic, like like almost circuit, a circuit circus, like yeah, like setup. a big the big tent or yeah. something, or yeah, the big striped tent. Yeah, which now that you bring back that story from EXU, which it could just be like ninety percent of it, we could chalk up to him just messing with with Dariax in that moment. But I don't really know how to reconcile like the themes he implied in that story with what we know now, because he was talking about like how his father had like a hit out on him and is like was on the run basically, and he's like, I'm on the run because if they find out who my dad is, they're gonna want me. So, I mean, I, I guess think, I think I he know. was ascribing to Dariax's like good nature and being like, well, you better not tell anyone about me. Cause yeah, it's someone I really care about. And it was more of just like trying to keep Dariax subtle and quiet than like making another connection, which yeah. I say that it could be five episodes from now. We find out that um, the reason that the city moves is because they're trying to evade, you know, yeah. someone, but it would be, then again, it doesn't seem like it'd be hard for them to find it. I mean, right. Like, How yeah. Would you it seems like a spectacle. Like, oh, you know, yeah. It'd be easy. So I don't know. <laughs> um, but so, okay. So silk and squall in a way, de facto kind of leaders of the, of the, Air Genasi, 
we know that his brother is is next in line to, I guess, take on that role when his parents either step down or, or die, I guess. And uh, Dorian is next, which, you know, that's what something Cyrus talks about. He's like, you know, you're next in line. If, if this bounty, you know, something happens to me. Um, right. But uh, Cyrus talks about how, you know, when Dorian initially left, that everyone was like very hurt by this. And he was like, I was told to feel as if it was a betrayal. But then I'm trying to reconcile that. Like, why would he be so, um, like, I don't know the right word here. Like, why would they take such offense to that if Air Genasi, like, take this pilgrimage? And even his parents did, which we've come to find out. Like, so I wonder why it was such an offense for him to do that. And, like, to the point where his brother was, like, told to feel, like, hey, he betrayed our family. Like, you know, be mad at him type of thing. Yeah, I, I took it to mean like parents in their younger days had done this pilgrimage and now like in their older wisdom want to like shelter their kids and like protect their kids even against like the understood cultural um, expectation that the kids should do. You know, and it seems like even with that, there is, you know, whereas the maybe the Air Genasi in previous years were a bit more unstructured and wandered that... Um, you know, now the parents are really have like this very stringent vision for them, even to the point where both of them, when they talk about why they left, they said they couldn't bear the weight of the responsibilities. Like yeah. there's so many things they weren't trying to run from their parents. It, there was so much expected of them. And so that even makes me wonder of like, you know, maybe their parents have just, you know, overly created this sense of like what you do as one of our own, you know, and sort of like glossed over you know, painted over like some of that cultural history there. Um, so that's, that's kind of my take on it, even to the point of like when Dorian finally did take this pilgrimage, he was apparently always meant to take uh, right. but the parents, even sort of hypocritically were, you know, Oh, we shouldn't do that. Like that's really, that's messed up that he did that. Yeah. You know, your son really sucks. <laughs> so. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I found that all interesting and there was one name dropped. Um, Zenudo or Zenato that Cyrus referred to, yeah. which I don't think we were given any type of context on who that was, but so I imagine it's just like a family friend or an advisor, like probably someone yeah, who's... I, I, I envision like the medicine dude from Dune. <laughs> you know, it was just like part of the family, kind of like the family doctor or something. Yeah. Like the wise guy. Yeah. You know? it's like, oh yeah, you know, when you just, were all younger, you know, and it's like, wait, what? Yeah, just like an advisor or something that I guess clearly knew his parents back when they did it, or at least knows of it when they did it. Um, but yeah, so then Cyrus, you know, co copies Dorian and also leaves because they make the great point of how are we supposed to lead if we don't have any worldly experience, you know? Right. So, um, uh, I guess part of me just wonders like how much of an, insult if that's not the right word but how much of like like how mad are, are their parents or is this like an understood thing that they kind of knew was coming at some point and um i guess i just don't i'm wondering like since dorian left and he he cites these responsibilities that like he didn't feel ready for Right. Being second in line, what were his responsibilities? Like were he was he just talking about like on the off <laughs> chance that yeah. And something happened to his brother. Like, I wonder what was expected of him since his brother's the one that's seemingly taking the 
throne, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and maybe he's maybe he's um, being a bit uh, not self aware, a bit ignorant to himself. Where you know maybe that's the story he tells, but deep down he was just he was tired of being in his brother's shadow and just wanted to make out his own trek. You know yeah. whether he's like kind of term, come to terms with that or not. He does mention the offense of the uniqueness of his decision being basically now um, shared by his brother who also it's like, Oh wow. So you also left. You yeah. didn't get to be the one. Couldn't to, let me have this. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder if maybe that's part of it too, that, you know, he tell, Oh yeah, it was really hard. Like I was kind of ready for something different or I needed to do something different, but deep down it was like, you know, yeah, I didn't want to live in his shadow anymore. Like I needed to be my own person. Um, so I don't know. And then one final thing on this, I mean, unless you have more, uh, no, yeah. Uh, it's interesting that I, we, we know that the way Cyrus talked is like, he's doing this to, to get out in the world, get experience, but it seems like he obviously plans to return at some point. Um, Dorian, I don't think we have that indication yet. Like, has he, I don't think nothing he's ever said has made me think that like, this is just a temporary thing to go back, until right? I go back. Like, I don't know if I'm confident to the point to say like he never wants to go back but i just feel like it's it's interesting that we don't know either way whereas cyrus you know has made it clear that like he's doing this so that he can be a better leader yeah i mean the fact that he's been established as a guest character a guest star and it hasn't been like overtly stated like hey we really like him we're gonna keep him for good makes me worried for cyrus's future especially the line from cyrus on um you're next hey if something happens to me you're next and so i wonder if this is like laying the 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 tracks for his departure on the show um so that would that's where i'm fearful of of this going that would be it that would make sense for a reason for him to be like i gotta go like you know i gotta go back home Mm -hmm. Hmm. i hope not but it, it does seem to be that he is firmly in like the guest category ever since the yeah. intro and stuff. So which is too bad because everyone I've talked to that, oh, that was another thing my wife was like devastated with. She was because she hadn't seen the intro yet. And so we watched it last night and she was like, what's up? Like what why wasn't Robbie in it? Like what was that all about? And I was like, well you know, because he's a guest character. And she was like what? It's like the uh the the uh what's the um Sarah, do you know you're drinking uh <laughs> yeah. decaffeinated coffee crystals? <laughs> what the, what's the actor's name? Uh, Chris, uh, Farley. Chris Farley, yeah, the old SNL skit, yeah. and she was like, "What?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, he's a guest character." And she was like, "No, no, <laughs> yeah." She's really upset by it. So um, it seems like people really love Robbie Damon, and so yeah. I mean, but, you I'm know, him, you know, we don't know what it means. Like, you know, that they're in a they're a super established thing at this point that they've been working on for a long time. So it's not like they're just gonna. Pr- invite a new person to immediately be like an equal member in that fold, you know? So maybe he, he will be permanent at some point. Maybe it's his own schedule that made him be a guest. Uh, and even if he leaves, I bet he comes back, you know, I bet he has like arcs on the show. If at least so that'd be awesome. Yeah. If they, you know, making their way downtown and they, a giant (laughs) tent city passes over you. Yeah. We gotta get up. Robbie, can you join us at the table? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That would be awesome. So, he represents the city. It's a speaking city. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much all I had is that he hasn't made that the indication that he intends to go back. But yeah, you make a great point. That seems like yeah. a perfect segue into him exiting the show for a while. Mm-hmm. 
what else what else stood out to you um let me check my notes really quick um i did this isn't like a whole new subject of conversation or anything but when uh when dorian gave cyrus the sitting stone i was just looking at at laura because like i think i've mentioned this before she's just very like her character her character from campaign one which really i think is just laura herself is like always like wanting to make sure they get the best deal on things at the stores and is like very particular about the gold so i could just see her being like oh you're giving away the sending stone to an npc we finally had that both funny. of them and now it's gone <laughs> yeah so i just i thought that yeah. was funny yeah it's funny um now great episode though for sure yeah but so we i think i mean the, the two main things here were the chetney and the cyrus I don't know why yeah, yeah. I said the in front of both of their names, but uh, I think we handled that. Okay. So, okay, yeah, I think we covered most of what I wanted to. Yeah. Well, so we'll think about like content for um, the show during this break. I know we're both. I know I'm leaving for holiday Wednesday. When are you leaving? Uh, I'm leaving tomorrow, but I'm coming. Okay. So we're doing Christmas with my family early, and then I'll be back up here for Christmas with with Ashley. Oh, family. okay. Okay. Cool. Um, it might be good also just to do like a recap, like after like we get to like episode 10 or something like, um, recapping the whole story so far in like as purposely abbreviated format as possible, just for people who maybe are trying to catch up. Um, yeah. and then the other thing we've been talking about too, is pulling, doing a video on our favorite theories from you guys down in the comments. Oh yeah. Um, so kind of pulling up some of those that we've heard you guys mention these details, some of you've called out. And uh, maybe doing a video on like theories we really like, um, you know, rather than just shamelessly being like, you know, we came up with that. <laughs> you know, I never mentioned it on the show, but I've always thought that <laughs> Gurge was a werewolf. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, we'll do something like that. And then definitely um, still thinking about like campaign one rewatch and maybe like the Briarwood arc. Um, so that's another option as well. So keep giving us feedback on what you guys want to see. And, um, you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. And um yeah, I guess that's pretty much it. I hope everyone has a great uh holiday season over this yeah. uh this next couple weeks. Um you'll still hopefully be seeing something from us, but um mm-hmm. yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah. You guys who celebrate Christmas, have an awesome Christmas. You guys are just enjoying the season and just hope you have great family time and good food and just a really um a great next couple of weeks. And uh like we mentioned, the next critical role episode is the first week of january so that's when we'll see episode nine. Oh, um, oh sorry what? i just remember something okay so i wanted to pitch this to you which i guess we could do it right now um uh games on quicks coming up i think it'd be kind of cool if we did an episode on that absolutely um, when is that oh my gosh so it's it's that? that week or it's the so the critical roles the sixth it starts that sunday after that. oh my gosh yes dude so here's, I mean, not that we have to flesh this all out right now, but while I'm thinking about it, I didn't know if we should, like, I think it would be fun to do an episode after so we could talk about like our favorite runs and stuff, mm-hmm. but would it be a disservice not to do something before so that like, cause if we do it after, then everybody's like, oh, I want to check this out. And it's like, well, it's over. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah. So yeah. We, I think we, we will have to do something before. Do they have some stat? I need to look at the calendar, but yeah, I haven't looked at it. This is going to be a good one. I can already tell. Nice. So and you guys, maybe you haven't checked it out. Uh, gamesdonequick.com twice a year they do a big um 
marathon of speedrun games and it lasts an entire week. Uh, they raise a lot of money for Doctors Without Borders. Uh, usually it's a few million dollars. Um, and it's just a really fun community-driven mm-hmm. event. Um, so definitely check that out. That's on January 9th and runs till the 16th. We could finally cross games off our checklist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we talk about shows, movies, and games. We love we could games. We know we don't talk about it. So anyway, well, what are you thinking for a thumbnail? Um, who? Maybe something with Chetney, but I don't really know what. Um, yeah, okay. I don't really have like a small wooden chisel or mallet around me. Poor kid's toy. Uh, uh, we could just do weird faces. <laughs> so we're, we're, okay. we're, I got the antlers on. You got the Santa hat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. This, we're we're phoning right. this one in. We're sorry, people. Yeah. yeah. All right. But uh. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Well, uh, keep following us on our Twitter at the Pixelists, and uh, thank you guys so much. As we wrap up 2021. Man, what's some just some awesome support? It's great seeing you guys in the comments and being part of what we're doing here. So, thank you, and we'll catch you guys later. Yeah, thanks so much, y'all. Goodbye. See ya.